Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week, I am sharing a message for the church. I trust the Lord uses it to encourage and build you up. And here is this week's message. Amen. What's up? Oh, sure. I was waiting for the thing, but it was not there. So uh, there isn't one more announcement. Um, you guys probably know we're doing the website for the church, and uh, I think you guys are supposed to be sending me pictures um, or something like that. Some of you, some of you are, I guess. Um, what? Okay. So anyway, yeah, I know I I told Nancy I would like some pictures that you guys may have in your own persons um, that are more uh, themed for like. TGP life kind of deal. So it could be in here, it could be out there. Um, if you if you guys are doing like some TGP stuff, like some of your breakfast meetings and whatnot, and stuff like that that I could use on the website, that would be great. Um, don't overjudge your pictures. They don't have to be super slick. Um, so don't worry about it. Just send it to me. And also, don't give yourself too much credit and think everything you took is like a golden, you know, and so you send me all everything, like, these are all awesome, I'm like, no, oh, they're not, so, but, <laughs> so, don't worry about it, if it's, I'll, I'll decide, just send me what you have, you know, not everything you have, but what you think is good, send it to me, I'll decide what I'm going to use, but, if you have stuff like that, send it over, and, uh, yeah, there was, Yes, uh, there was. Yeah, I thought it was going to be all that in there, but uh, so thank you. Sorry. Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> all right. So, dear Lord, thank you uh, for this wonderful day, Lord. Thank you that we are uh, moving into uh, the Thanksgiving season, uh, Father, where we uh, commemorate uh, just dedications to you, even at the founding uh, of this nation. And so, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that as we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit, that you would move in our hearts and move in our minds, uh, draw us closer to you, and help us to get a deeper understanding of uh, your scripture and what your heart is for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, just a heads up, I don't really have a PowerPoint. I've just got like the main points that Cal's going to pop up. Um, but uh, we're going through the fruit of the Spirit, and this week we've falling on the fruit of gentleness. And... Um, I would say that many of us, myself included, carry a sense that uh, gentleness kind of carries a sense of a passivity, like being passive or being non-reactive um, in response to either sin or an aggression or a transgression. And, you know, this, this idea has been reinforced in a lot of our popular portrayals of Jesus throughout history, even if you look at paintings and sculptures you usually see some sort of a gentle Jesus. You don't usually see the Jesus in Revelation portrayed and stuff. Um, and, and it tends to be codified in things like the old Charles Wesley hymn, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read the verses because uh, I don't really know how it goes. But uh, these are the verses for that song. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. Pity my simplicity, suffer me to come to thee. Lamb of God, I look to thee, thou shalt my example be. Thou art gentle, meek, and mild, thou wast once a little child. Fain I would be as thou art, give me thine obedient heart. 
Thou art pitiful and kind. Let me have thy loving mind. Loving Jesus, gentle Lamb, in thy gracious hands I am. Make me, Savior, what thou art. Live thyself within my heart. It's a good, it's a good hymn. I think it uh, oversimplifies what being gentle is. So we're going to look at gentleness. And uh, I'll start it out with uh, the words of uh, Inigo Montoya, who famously said to Vizzini in uh, the profoundly philosophical movie The Princess Bride, that word, I do not think it means what you think it means. And I think we can say that about uh, gentleness. So we're going to look at gentleness in a new way as we look at it in the rubric of Scripture. So, before we get into like breaking that down, we're going to go over the fruit of the Spirit again. Um, just It's really good to, to have that context, right? So, Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. If you're using something like the NIV, it's probably patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, what can we say of gentleness? Well, being the, the, the Bible nerd that I am, I always like to go back to see what it says in Greek, right? What is the Greek? So the Greek word is prautes. Uh, you don't have to remember that. I'm not going to quiz you on it. Um, but there's a diversity of meaning in prautes, um, in this gentleness. And there are four major connotations, right? Four major aspects of this word. The first one is the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Now, do we think, like, like, when we think of gentleness, is that the first thing we think of? Not being overly impressed with my sense of self-importance? Typically not, right? Um, other parts that go with it is humility and courtesy. We don't usually t- tend to think of courtesy as part of this gentleness aspect. And considerateness, like being considerate of other people. So we're going to look at some scriptures Um, that kind of embody these aspects of gentleness and then look at uh, some life examples. So the first one is the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. And we need only look to Jesus' coming to earth as a great example of this, right? That first advent. Because when Jesus comes to earth, it's kind of a gentle coming to earth. We have no empire-wide, no nature-shattering announcement of his coming. There were angels that appeared to a few shepherds, a few group of nobodies, right? A few mages in Babylon happened to look at the stars and see, oh, something odd's going on. Let's uh, try to interpret that. That was about it. King Herod didn't have a clue what was going on. Even when the mages went to him, he was like, what? What? New king? What? What is this? Right? And then Caesar Augustus didn't have a clue what was going on. He's just like, hey, what are the census that start taxing the people? Life is normal. Not even aware of what's going on. So it's safe to say that Jesus' incarnation, his first coming, right, reflects him not really being overly impressed with his own self sense of importance. That's kind of cool. Even though if somebody did have a rightful place to be that, it would most likely be Jesus, right? Like, he could totally show up and shake the earth as he shows up and get everybody's attention. But he didn't. It's a good example of what this gentleness embodies. <clears throat> now, for us, it's... I like to use the phrase that I grew up with. Like, It's important for us to realize that we, we need not get too big for our britches, right? Too big for our britches. That means 
thinking that we're bigger than we really are, right? And a personal story about being in a context where, like, my sense of self-importance would not have gone over well. Uh, a few years ago, I um, went down to Georgia to visit my brother and uh, buy a truck because if you go buy a truck in the south, it's probably not been exposed to 20 years of salt and has a lot less rust on it, just practically speaking. Now, the transmissions are probably weak because they like to go four-wheeling a lot out in the mud, but that's a whole different thing. So I go down there, and uh, I'm, I'm buying actually this Ridgeline out here that I've been driving for several years now. And as I'm like talking to the salesman, you know, my brother's there, and we're just chatting. And uh, the, he, the, the, um, the salesman goes, well, what do you do for a living up, in, you know, up north? It's like, well, I'm a pastor. And they just give me a double take. Like, what? You're a pastor? I didn't understand down there. Because, you know, you think, like, it's Bible Belt. Everybody's like, you know, God, glory, guns, and Jesus. You know, all that stuff. And uh, they just give me this double take. I'm like, what? What's up with that? And I turn to my brother. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, like what, what, why, why? He's like, well, pastors don't usually have a really good reputation when they're trying to buy things. <laughs> they try to get as much as they can for as little money as possible. So they kind of have a reputation of... Uh, being worse than car salesman, and I was dealing with a car salesman. Like, okay, that's, uh, that's good to know. Another time I was down there, I went to go visit him, and uh, we, we were going around to his, like his circle, you know, his work buddies and, and co-workers and stuff, and he would always introduce me, and he's got this, he's been down there for 30 years, so he's got this Georgia Southern accent, and I was like, hey, y'all, this is my little brother. He's from Chicago. He's a, he's a college boy, right? That's how he introduces me. And this is the response that I would get. Oh. Now, I don't think I need to explain this, but it is helpful. So the word O oh can mean a lot of things, depending on where the tone rises and falls. If he goes, this is my brother from Chicago. He's a college boy. And they go, oh, that means you're kind of impressed. If he goes, oh, and it drops, they're not impressed. <laughs> That's just, a, I'm like, John can vouch for that, right? You're in Alabama for a while, yeah. in the Carolinas. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. That's another, oh man, if you guys don't know, if somebody says bless your heart, that's not a good thing. <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> so, because, like, they're, they're what we call, like, salt of the earth people, right? And, and the problem is, like, when, when my brother introduces me as a college boy, it indicates that I'm not a salt of the earth person. Even though for all intents and purposes, I, I am kind of a salt of the earth per person. Like just the other day, I was, I was you know, I, I work in a school district and, um, and, I, and I, I fixed the IT problems in the buildings. Well, the other day I just, I happened to be in the building coming out right as the buses were pulling in. You know, they, they bust the children. So, well, when that happens, like no traffic in or out. So I'm like, I'm like in my truck, and this bus just, vroom. I mean, I, I think the bus driver being kind of a, a not-too-nice person anyway, pulls up like right behind me, so there's no way I could back out or anything. It's like, they're going to be here for 40 minutes. I haven't even dismissed class yet. So what do I do? I pull out the redneck thing, put it in drive, drive over the sidewalk, right onto the, and I drive right off. <laughs> like, like, I'm kind of a salt-of-the-earth person when it comes to things like that. Like, I just don't care, you know, like, it's a nicety, right? Maybe, maybe the Lord needs to work on some of that with me. I'm okay with, I'm okay with that. Like, he can keep working on me. But that's what I did, right? 
because there's this little little bit of salt of the earth left me, no matter how educated I am. But for a salt of the earth kind of person, uh, they're very practical, right? Like their knowledge base is on things that, that really make a difference. They, they don't worry about the theoretical stuff. And that's good. I mean, there's a place for theoretical stuff. But in their eyes, and I get this because I've been in higher education, in their eyes, and I kind of agree with this, there are some kinds of stupidity that you can only be educated into. <laughs> that's, I mean, like, critical race theory, you have to be educated in that kind of stupidity. I'm like, honestly, like, that's, I'm just going to say that. So when they say college boy, that's what they equate with. So they're like, oh, man, bless your heart. <laughs> you know, so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in a negative light. Like, I'm not an impressive person unless I can show my chops on a practical level. So if I were to walk in there with that kind of introduction and try to drop some knowledge bomb on what the Greek says, do you think that's going to go over better than a lead balloon? It is not. Okay? So there's this... There's this not having this sense of your own self-importance, right? Like, I don't think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread because I got an MDiv, right? I like, and I've been doing ministry in this church. You know, we started the church in 2008. We started the Bible study in 2005, right? I, I, how many of you are really impressed when, if I were to read a Greek sentence? Nobody would be impressed with that. What you would be impressed with is if I prayed and then the Holy Spirit moved in your heart and you walked away changed, which has nothing to do with my capabilities whatsoever or my knowledge base or any of that. It's everything to do with what God does and me just saying, all right, Lord, I'm here. Do what you want to do. That's what it comes down to. So there's, there's this gentleness. This fruit of the Spirit isn't like tiptoeing through the door so that nobody hears me, right, so they don't interrupt the service. And it's not, it's not praying like the most meek prayer that I can. Oh, dear Jesus, I'm just... No, no better than a little church mouse. It's not that, right? It's just being who you are and not making big errors about it. It's not about you. It's never about you. It's about God, right? It's about who God is and his goodness towards us. It becomes about us only in the sense that we say yes. And that's it. I mean, like, and the gentleness is carrying that and not feeling that you need to overcompensate for how great you are or, or how little you are or anything like that. So that's, that's our first part of gentleness. And the second part is humility. And like, I, I kind of like C.S. Lewis's take on, on humility. That it, it is, in essence, a kind of a solid knowledge of who we are. It's this, this firm sense of identity uh, in Christ. And it's no more and it's no less. So it's not to think that we have to look dejected or forlorn. That's not humility, going, oh, woe is me, I'm such a lowly slinner. But it's also the sense that we don't have this compulsion to prove ourselves to others, right? So walking in humility is just totally acknowledging who we are and not making big bones about it and not minimizing it and not overblowing it. That's humility. Um, the way Lewis would explain it is if you came across a humble person, they would not be the sort of greasy, swarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, they are nobody. Like, that's not humility. Likely, if you come across a humble person, all you're going to think about them is that they seem a cheerful, intelligent person who took a real interest in what you said to them. Because there's this outward focus in humility. 
Because pride is very self-focused, and humility is the opposite of that. There's this outward focus. There's a genuine interest in what other people have to say without having this compulsion to compare it to yourself or to bring the attention back to yourself. And so Jesus exemplifies this humility, not in the sense that he didn't think of himself as being unworthy of divine or going out of his way to uh, deny his existence as nature, as God incarnate, but he openly acknowledged it, you know, for the Son of Man has come, right? The Son of God, my heavenly Father, all the time, right? Before Abraham was, I am. Well, that was a loaded question. Like, if I was to say that, people would be like, that's kind of a weird way to say something. Jesus said it, and they wanted to kill him. Why? Because in Hebrew, what's the name of God? Yahweh. What does Yahweh mean in Hebrew? I am. Right? So Jesus says, I am. Oh, he's claiming to be God. We want to kill him. So humility isn't something we exhibit by tearing ourselves down. That's not humility. That's just another form of pride. So it's not tearing ourselves down when people compliment us or refusing to praise our children for their achievements because we don't want them to become prideful. It's sincerely accepting kind words of others. It's knowing who we are and not being like affected right one way or the other. They gave Jesus all kinds of insulting slurs and hurls. And he just kept doing his thing. He just kept being who he is, Jesus, unapologetically. So it's recognizing that positive impact that we have on other people and celebrating in that. It's celebrating other people's successes and accomplishments without thinking, well, why didn't I get that blessing? Or why didn't that happen to me? Because that's not humility. That's pride. Mm -hmm. The crux of humility is the opposite of self-focus. So it's other-focused, right? And it's focusing on things that go beyond our own self-interest. That's humility. Jesus' self-interest would definitely not be to die on a cross. His self-interest would be to preserve that, you know, to preserve that dignity and whatever. What does he do? He lays that all down and humbly submits to the will of the Father because of this other focus, this love for humanity that they have gone errant and they need to be brought back and they need that Savior. And so there's this exemplary humility that Jesus carries out even through his crucifixion. So that's humility, and that's part of that gentleness aspect, right? So there's this, you're not, you don't have this inflated sense of your own self-importance. You walk humbly. You know who you are. You're not shaken by when people say that otherwise. But you walk in it, and you're confident in it, and you just don't make big bones about it. And then the third one, um, I'll, I'll kind of couple the third and fourth together. There's courtesy and considerateness. And if you look at the definition of courtesy, it's polite behavior or a polite action. It's about respectful behaviors around other people, right? It's you know, like some things I will do like in my house that I probably wouldn't do in polite company, right? Just because I'm, it, it's polite company, you're, you have better manners in polite company, you know? It's just, you do. It, and it's things like filtering errant thoughts before they hit their mouth, right? Think before you speak uh, so that you don't have to eat your words later or be like Peter and put your foot in your mouth. Yeah, he was pretty bad for that. But being courteous requires a level of self-awareness of how your words, how you express your attitudes, how negative and disrespectful items affect others, right? It's, 
It's being self-aware enough to say, like, I'm just not going to voice my immediate reaction on that because it would be disrespectful to the other people hearing me. That's courtesy. That's, that's just courtesy. Um, prime example, when I was younger, you know, I went to a church, and I, I remember a pastor telling a story one time in his own life where he made a faux pas of this. And um, like one of the ladies in the congregation, didn't know her that well, she still kind of knew, and uh, asked her when she was expecting, and she wasn't even pregnant. Hmm. How many of us know that that's, that's a big no-no? Right? Like, like, without it being confirmed, just, you don't assume, right? So, but that, that, was, that was a discourtesy, right? He, he spoke before he thought, and later on his wife was like, yeah, yeah, she's not pregnant. Oh, man. He felt so bad after that. Like, imagine, right? I'd, I'd feel terrible after that. So there's this courtesy aspect, just to be self-aware, right, when, when you're interacting. Um, and we've, we've heard the term common courtesy, Right? And, you know, common courtesy and common sense, as, as we're now beginning to see, that is not so common anymore sometimes. You know, and, and common courtesy is that politeness that people can usually expect. Like, it, it's common enough that people could expect certain courteous behaviors. Um, we don't see it as much. Like, it, it seems to be waning right now, um, especially in, the, in, like, you know, some circles. But some examples that, that I remember being... In growing up, uh, common courtesy, you know, opening doors for ladies, right? Just open the door for them. Or extending a hand to help somebody up if they've fallen down, or extending a hand and handshake and greeting. Like, that's, that's a, a common courtesy. It, it's, a, it's, it's good manners, right? Uh, when you're going to turn, when you're driving down the road, use your blinker, right? You got a blinker. I mean, like, you're not giving away secret information to the enemy when you turn on the blinker. Right. In reaction to that, like some people like to like get right up onto the stop stop sign before they hit the brakes, right? So it's like, <sighs> and I thought, you know what would be great? A great courtesy to all the other drivers around is if you put brake lights in the front of the car, so people will know if they're going to brake or not. <laughs> like that'd be really handy because people just aren't going to be courteous anymore. And and. You know, my, my first handful of years here, I lived in the northern suburbs, which now I realize that, that not all of northern Illinois is the northern suburbs. I didn't know that when I moved up here. I mean, 10 years of culture shock living in the northern suburbs. And I remember hearing the rule being that, like, standard rules of the road is when you all come to a four-way stoplight, the person that stops first goes. And if it's a tie, it's the person on the right-hand side that goes. Like, that's the rules of the road. Apparently, in the northern suburbs, it's whoever has the most expensive car. <laughs> so, I didn't know that, and I didn't care about that, because, you know, I'm a salt of the earth kind of guy. I moved up here from Podunk, Southern Illinois, right? So, and I'm driving, when I moved up here, I had a 91 Chevy S10. Paint falling off of it. I mean, like, the, the driver's side door, like, the, the, the door striker latch had broke. So, like, I legit had it shut with a piece of duct tape. And so, like, when I would make a right-hand turn, the door would fly open. And so I would have this duct tape on there. And then, like, when the duct tape would, would start losing its adhesion, I'd roll the window down. So I made the turn. I'd hold the door. And it was a stick shift. So once I got turned, go back to, sh to shifting. And, and that's, that's how I get around. And so when I come to a four-way intersection, I'm on the right-hand side. I'm going first. That's my right-of-way. 
Because that's the rules of the road. I don't care how expensive your car is. Chances are you're going to care a lot more about the damage to your car than I am to this little truck. So I was pretty abrasive, and people didn't like that too much. And I didn't really care. So common courtesy, right? <laughs> so I didn't understand that culture and that common courtesy as like a subculture within the larger culture. So I was always like busting up subculture in the northern suburbs. Anyway, common courtesy. I didn't know, right? I was a barbarian. I was a brute, <laughs> like a dumb animal, right? So a phrase I, I use a lot um, when someone's spiritual development or journey uh, in terms of courtesy is to meet them where they are, right? Like, and that's, that's been a pretty common term in the last 10 years with, uh, with Christianity is to meet people where they are. And what does that mean? Uh, it doesn't mean that you agree with everything that they do, right? It's, it's interacting with somebody, seeing where they are on their spiritual journey, and, and not really expecting them to be like St. Augustine level of piety when they just came to the faith or to be like PhD level New Testament professor when they just started reading the book of Matthew for the first time, right? It's, it's understanding, but what does it take to get to that level of being able to meet them where they're at? Interaction, conversation, getting to know people. Oh, what's another word for that? Building a relationship. So we build a relationship to understand where people are so that we can meet them where they are. Uh, and that, that takes time. That takes a lot of work. That takes effort. And it's a, it's a lot of effort that a lot of us tend not to want to get into because it's involved. I mean, like discipleship, it's a messy business. It, it's not a program. It's not a cookie-cutter thing. It's not a curriculum. It's life-on-life -life training. Jesus' followers followed him for three years. <laughs> day in and day out in this interaction. Meet them where they are. We have to take time to get to know them and, uh, and understand where they're at. And Jesus exhibits this kind of gentleness, this kind of courtesy, right, this considerateness. Uh, the best example we have, or, or one of the examples, is his interaction with uh, the woman at the well, right, the Samaritan woman. Middle of the day, hot, arid, Jesus sitting there, disciples went off to go get some food, this lady comes slunking out to give some water, and he strikes up a conversation with her. Now, in that culture, in that point in time, Jesus should have never done that in cultural expectations. He should have just shunned her and had nothing to do with her. That, that's what, that was the expectation. But he didn't. He didn't rebuke her for being a Samaritan, for being a half-breed, for being somebody who couldn't hold to monogamy to save her life. He didn't. She walks up. He knew all of that. Son of God knew all of that about her. What's he do? Can you give me some water? Very courteous thing to do. And she, it took her off. I mean, she was expecting to be lambasted. He doesn't deride her. He doesn't rebuke her. He engages her in conversation about water, right? And he's like, I don't, you know, she's like asking about water. He's like, you know, if you knew who you're talking to, like, I'd give you water that you'd never have thirst again, right? And she's like, oh, give me some of this water. And that's when he goes on to, to reveal something about her, her shameful past, but not, not in a condemning way. He's like, hey, go tell your husband. I don't have a husband. Oh, yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one that you're with now isn't your husband. What? Right? And that's when she has a that famous, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Like, she probably didn't actually say it that way. <laughs> but, 
he, he didn't get on his high horse, right? He didn't step up and say, I am more righteous than thee. He just had her in a conversation, met her where he was, and said, I offer eternal life. I offer water that you'll never thirst again. And she, being so impacted by this interaction, goes off and evangelizes for him in the town. I mean, like, how amazing is that? So there's this whole thing of gentleness that ties all of this up that we just don't even think about. We just think, like, oh, little church mouse. Right? Like, I don't want to cause any waves. I'm, I'm a gentle soul. And what do we have? We have Jesus who fully knows he's the Son of God, fully walks in his authority, doesn't make any bones about it, doesn't puff himself up, doesn't try to, to just blow everybody away with how awesome he is. And he has a conversation with a woman who couldn't even stand to be monogamous. And is respectful in the process. Maybe gentleness does not mean what we think it means. Maybe there's a little bit more to it. So, in conclusion, if we tie all of this together, right, what does exhibiting the fruit of gentleness look like? So it's not putting on the airs of self-importance. Kind of like, I don't know if you guys came across this recently, the, the preacher in Missouri who rebuked his, con- um, his congregation for not buying him a Movado watch and telling him that they're all poor of heart and, and poor of mind and, and don't understand like the prosperity of the gospel because they didn't get him uh, a luxury watch. That's not gentleness. And I think that pastor has a sense of self-importance that's way bigger than any pastor should really have. Just my opinion. That's free. That and two bucks will get you a cup of coffee with inflation. No Movado watches for me. (laughs) I'd be totally fine with a fossil. No, (laughs) no, no. no. Um, So it's the, the gentleness of knowing your station in life, your identity in Christ, don't, and not puffing yourself up about it and not tearing yourself down about it. Oh, I'm just a lowly Christian. What do I know? Well, you know a lot. You know the creator of the universe. Don't apologize for that. But also, you're not the one that makes things happen, so don't think that you're greater than you are. Just, you know, throwing that out there. <clears throat> it's about being confident enough in who we are that who we are is not the primary topic of our conversations. right? That we can afford to be interested in the hearts and the concerns of others because God has created this in us and that we are confident in that. It's a humility of being so outward and other focused that we develop a genuine interest and enjoy the positive impact that, that we have on them. Like uh, Shana started teaching our kids. I love this. I, I didn't even know she was doing this and, and it just it struck me. Like every day I've got this routine where I go out where I, where I leave work, uh, where I go home go out to, to go to work and the kids run up and give me a hug kiss squeeze. And if I don't, they have a meltdown. I mean, like, it's like World War III fallout if, if I don't. So, like, it has to happen. Excuse me. I can't leave with one of the kids in bed. I have to go wake them up to give them a hug, kiss, and a squeeze before I go to work. And now, like, after the hug, kiss, squeeze, as I'm leaving, they, they've all started the routine of going, Bye, Daddy. Be a blessing. Aww. Like, ah. Oh. Now it has to be a blessing, right? Like, 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 they set the expectation. My kids have set this expectation. So I have to be a blessing, right? I have to have a better attitude when I go to work. I can't be selfish about it anymore. <laughs> so, 
So there's this being other focused, right? And that, that reminds me as I'm leaving, be other focused. It's not about you, right? It's about you carrying God's presence into the workforce and representing Jesus to people around you. Whether you say the word Jesus or not, it's being that representation. And so I take that as a new mission, as my kids encourage me. Every day now I go to work, be a blessing. Yes. And then I say, you too, be a blessing to mommy, which means behave and listen to her. But, you know, because <laughs> that's the blessing that mommy would really appreciate. <clears throat> so there's this humility, being otherly focused. Being able to graciously accept compliments and praise from others and not let it go to our heads in good ways or in bad ways, right? And finally, it's respectful behavior toward others. It's otherly focused enough that, that they feel respected when you, they have an interaction with you. They don't feel dejected or condemned or convicted. I mean, like, like we don't bring conviction. Holy Spirit brings conviction, right? We respect people. We talk to them in love. As long as, they, as people feel loved and respected when we interact with them, that's the important part. I don't do it perfectly, but I work on it. And that's that sanctification process. Keeping our negative thoughts to ourselves in groups and social gatherings and respecting other people's opinions. Like, like not everybody sees the same way, way I do. Um, if the com company is familiar enough, I will respectfully disagree. And if they want to invite dialogue, I'd be more than glad to have a dialogue. But I'm not going to go head-to-head -head with everybody who has a different thought than I do. It's just, that's not... To me, that's belligerent, and I don't think belligerence has a lot of space in the Christian witness. Like, are there times or places? Yes. Jesus did flip some tables over and drove people out with whips. I mean, like, but he did those things very judiciously. And, like, there may be times for that. We have to be very judicious and listening to the Holy Spirit and the heart of God, whether or not that is a warranted action. But I, I, would, I would posit that our normal should be respectfully listening and helping other people feel valued and respected as people made in the image of God. So in the end, I think this is more what gentleness is getting at when we read Scripture than just trying to minimize our, our carbon footprint, if you will, in society. Like, I mean, so like, like it's not that like we should try to slip by and nobody ever notice us. It's that we, just, we are who we are and people walk away feeling respected and loved because the way we interacted with them, because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. So that, I think, is what gentleness means. And so I think that means what we don't think it means. So, Inigo Montoya, got to love it. So for anybody that's listening in on the podcast, um, maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe, maybe this whole Fruit of the Spirit thing, this series has caught you off guard, and that's okay. But if you're interested... And you hear about like these things that, that this Jesus brings to us, and you want to know a little bit more, just repeat this after me. Jesus, I've heard some interesting things. And I don't fully understand who you are and what you mean, but I want to know more. Amen. Now if you said that, open your mind's heart to listen to see what Jesus would say. And if you do have more questions, if you do know Christians around you, you're more than welcome to go up to them and ask them about it, because they'd be more than glad to talk to you about it. But if you don't, 
You can always get a hold of us at here at the church. Um, our our main email is info at tgpchicago.org. Once again, that's info at tgpchicago.org. And if you reach out to us in that, one of our um, ministers or members will be glad to reach out to you and answer those questions. So with that, um, the worship team is going to lead us in one more worship song, and then we'll close for the day. Hello again, this is Pastor Todd. I pray the Lord uses my message today to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of the Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. The portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.